Hello everyone. This is very strange speaking into a into a camera. I'm just imagining all your lovely faces. Uh, thank you for your encouragement. Um, I'm going to be speaking on um, Nehemiah chapter six, um, which is all about op- um, opposition in our lives. So I've gone a bit <laughs> deaf in one ear. Can't hear myself. Um, and the message I'm going to be speaking on today is for those of us who maybe have lost all hope, for those who may feel um, far from God, for those who feel like the shame in your life is so huge, you, you don't even know that God is for you, you don't even know his, his love for you. And I've been there. I, I know what it's like to be hopeless and be in despair and to not want to live my life anymore. Um, and I don't know about you, but I'm a bit tired of going through the motions of religion, <laughs> of um, reading about Jesus but not experiencing him. My heart and my cry is to know the reality of Jesus, of, of, of to know his presence, to know that he's real. Um, I want to start with a story. Um, sorry, I really have gone... I really can't hear anything. Just myself in my own ear. Anyway, um, on Wednesday, we were due to pray for some uh, people in the evening, pray for their original design, which is basically asking God... Say, for example, for me, when you created Esther, Lord, what was it? What was it you had in mind when you created her? And I don't know about you, but some days I feel great; other days I don't feel great. Wednesday, I was having one of those days. I just feeling like, ugh, I, I just felt a bit ill. I had a sore throat. wasn't feeling close to Jesus. Was just having one of those days. And I almost text Chris to say, I can't pray. I just can't do it. Um, and I thought, well, I'm an elder of the church. <laughs> I best read my Bible and I best pray and worship because that's what you do as a Christian. And um, I didn't really want to, but I thought I, I should. Anyway, I thought I'll read Psalm 139 because that's a psalm talking about when God made us, what did he have in mind? And so Psalm 139 verse 1 says, Lord, you know everything there is to know about me. And I read that verse, and it was like um, the, the, the truth of God and the love of God just hit me. And from being of a place of like, I don't feel close to God, I'm bored of just going through the motions. I read one verse of scripture, and the truth of God was like, oh. And I just started to, to, to cry. And at, and at that moment, I felt God's presence. I felt him close because I'd been living, the kind of lie I'd been believing that day was, I have to earn God's approval, I have to read my Bible to make him love me more. And the truth was, God just absolutely adores me. He adores you. He, we don't have to earn our way uh, into God's presence. And at that moment, when I read that verse, that Lord, you know everything there is to know about me, that's as far as I got <laughs> I didn't read the rest of the psalm. I was just on my bed, just crying, thinking, 
God, you are so loving. You are more loving than I can ever, ever imagine. Um, and anyway, I went on to pray that night, and it, and it was a wonderful night. Um, in John 10, 10, it says the enemy, the thief, um, Satan, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we may have life, and life in all its fullness. If you don't take anything else away from this talk, just there's just one point. Jesus loves us with an unconditional love. He pursues us, he desires us. He created us, even, he knew us even before the world was created. But the enemy comes to tell us and whisper in our ears, God doesn't really love you. Look what you've just done. Look what you've just watched. Look what your, your thought life you can't possibly come into God's presence. And so if that's all you take away today, then that's wonderful. God is for you, he loves you, but there is opposition in our lives, in this, in this life. Um, and Jesus is near. You, you might not know Jesus very well, but it says in the Bible, the kingdom of God is at hand, the kingdom of God is near. Jesus is near. When I was sat on my bed on Wednesday thinking I should do this as a Christian, Jesus just rushed in and he met me and it was a heart connection and my heart was connected again with Jesus. And that song we sang, you are closer, closer than my skin. Jesus is near. He is with us. He is Emmanuel. Um, So I'm going to be speaking on Nehemiah chapter 6. I'm not going to read the whole story. Um, I've got a little flip chart. I am a visual learner. My attention span isn't very long, so hopefully I'll kind of I'll be able to keep your attention. Um, so basically, the summary of, of Nehemiah chapter six is Nehemiah had been called by God to rebuild a city, which is huge, and he gathered people around him. And in 52 days, they rebuilt the walls. Uh, they put the gates in place. Oh, there's a little, I've got a little picture. I like pictures. So this, it's not the actual wall that Nehemiah built, but you can imagine the walls of the city are really, really thick. It was meant to keep out the, the, the enemy. And they had gates and they had doors. Um, so Nehemiah's original design, what God had called him to do was to rebuild a city. And this whole chapter... <laughs> is about three men, the, the enemy, the opposition, who basically say to Nehemiah, uh, you can't do this, this is all going to fail, how can God help you, what, what good can come from this? Um, so this is where I'm going to get my uh, flip chart. So basically, the three men, they... Well, I'm going to read a little bit. It says... So basically, the three men said, Nehemiah, we want to meet with you. Um, and Nehemiah said, I know you're, you're plotting to harm me. Um, I can't meet, meet with you. Um, and four times they sent the same message, no, Nehemiah, come and meet with us. And Nehemiah is absolutely brilliant. He said, what you are saying is, is crazy. It's, it's, it's not true. So the enemy came in, 
the enemies came in and said, Nehemiah, we want to meet, meet with you. But he knew they were plotting to, to harm him. I'm just going to write some things down. They, they said lies. So they were lying to him. Um, there were death threats. They wanted to kill him, which is pretty, that's a lot of opposition right there. Uh, intimidation, they wanted to intimidate him and say, you can't do this. What earth you're doing, you're one man, how can you rebuild a city? Um, ridicule, they put fear into him. Um, and what I love about Nehemiah, <laughs> and there's one bit which I think is really funny. Um, oh yes, it's Nehemiah 6 verse 8, he says, There is no truth in any part of your story. You are making up the whole thing. And in my version in NIV it says, You are out of your mind, you are crazy. Now Nehemiah... I think is a brilliant example. He knew what he, had called, what he was called to do. And when the opposition came, he said, what you're saying is not true. And he said, I haven't got time for you. I'm very busy. I've got to rebuild a city. And at the end of, ch- of chapter 6, we see that the three men realised God was with him and they themselves were in fear. Of, of, of God um, so that is a physical example of a, of a city where the enemy came in now in our spiritual lives um, what we see with our physical eyes isn't all there is to life in Ephesians 6 verse 12 it says for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we see there are two realms. There's a physical realm, what we see. So I see Chris, I see Andrew. There's also there's a spiritual realm. There's a whole other realm going on. And that's where, um, where the enemy can come in. Um, so, for example, on Wednesday when I was like not in the mood for, you know, meeting with God, I didn't think He could meet my needs. The enemy was whispering to me, Esther, there's nothing actually God can do if you came to Him. And I was like, oh, okay. And I started to believe that lie. Um, but when we become Christians, um, we are seated. It says we're seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. So. This is how I see it. That's a chair. You know, with... <laughs> that's, that's, you know, me and Jesus. Don't we, you know. Anyway, he's got a big smile. I've got a big smile. Jesus. So, when God raised Jesus from the dead, he raised him up to the heavenly realms... When I became a Christian, it says in the Bible, I was seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. Now, I've been a Christian for a few years. I did not understand that. I didn't get it. No one really taught it to me. It didn't make sense. Um, 
And I, for many, many, many years, lived like this. So this is me down here, actually, not very happy. And praying to Jesus, please help me. Um, and there was all sorts of stuff going on in my life. Fear, depression, despair. And I thought, well, Jesus says in the Bible, you know, we read the New Testament, he did all these things. He healed the sick. He, he helped people with torment in their, in their minds. I was going, Jesus, please help me. And I didn't really experience much of, of Jesus. I, I, I didn't really understand it. Once I understood that I was raised with Christ in the heavenly realm, that I had authority, I thought, actually, I had to live with that. I thought, when you become a Christian, yeah, things might be okay, You've got to, you go along in life. But when you get to heaven, when you die and get to heaven, then all the pain goes away. There's no suffering. I thought, well, I just have to endure what life has thrown at me. And I was, I did not think things could change. I did not think there was any hope. Um, and then I had my original design prayed for, which totally blew me away. So imagine me, I'm living in this place of things can't change. My story, for those of you who know me, I probably spent the first 25 years of my life not sharing any emotional, any emotions, any emotions from my heart with any human being. I was extremely sarcastic. There was this kind of massive wall of defence and self-protection. I didn't really trust anyone. I felt unsafe, like don't. The message I was predicting was, don't you come close to me. Um, and that's how I lived. That was, I was believing a lot of lies about myself. At the time, I didn't realise that. I just thought, this is, this is life. This is just life. <laughs> um, so, as I said earlier, when we pray for people's original design, we're asking the Lord, how, when you made Esther, what did you put in her what were her passions, her desires, what makes her tick, what brings her life. I've typed mine up. <laughs> I had this, I had this uh, maybe about 15 years ago. Um, I've had my original design prayed for many times. This was by a bunch of guys in America. They prayed for me. And I keep it in my purse. I've laminated it. And uh, when I forget who I am, I read it. And this is what they said. They said, Esther, we see a picture of a magnet. People are are coming to me because I speak words of truth and life. I am authentic and genuine, and I speak with authority. And they said that, and I went, no, that's not me. No, I I knew in my heart. I went, no, I didn't know how to be truthful. I didn't know how to be genuine. I didn't know how to be authentic. But God broke in that day and said, Esther, this is how I've made you. And as they unpacked the idea of actually the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. And in my experience, it's usually the opposite to how you've been made. So this is how God had made me. And But I just believe lies. I I didn't really understand what was going on. I was hurting. I was in pain. Um, And I was like... 
And so over the years, I've been learning what does it mean to connect with my heart, to live an authentic life, to be genuine, to recognize the lies that the enemy speaks to me and say, no, that is not who I am. There's another bit here, and I remember probably about, I don't know, 20 years ago, maybe about about 15 years ago, I was living in the house next door, and I'd, I'd always had a heart for people who'd suffered and struggled in life, who were on the margins, because I, I've been there, I am there sometimes. And I'd been volunteering in a, in a prison, and I'd basically had a bit of a breakdown. Um, I didn't really know at the time, but it was basically anxiety, um, and I had to... Ben Watson, who's a doctor, was living in the flat below, and I went to see him. I said, I can't switch off the thoughts in my head. I feel like I'm going crazy. And he said, you need to go and see a doctor. So I went to see a doctor, and I went on some medication. Um, I remember saying to God, I'm never working with people who are really struggling, who are on the margins, people in addiction. I, I... I'm not doing that anymore. I, I tried it. I can't do it. Um, that, that, that's it. I'm, I'm done. Another thing they said when they prayed for me. <laughs> you have been marked with compassion and gentleness. You have a heart for the distraught and the hurt. People are drawn to you by a supernatural reason, especially the hopeless. And I went, oh no. I thought... Oh, Lord, I don't know how to do it. I'd, I'd lost my job, I was going back to live with my parents, like I was in a mess. People had to come over and pray for me. And I remember Silas and Annie, they said, Esther, we've been listening to God for you. And we just had this picture of this big wall, and it was just lies that, that you'd believed over many, many years. And God wants to deconstruct that wall so you can be who it is he's created you to, to, to be. And I was like, that's incredible. That just blew me away. Um, and so I was believing lies, but God's truth came in through this, this, this type of prayer. And I was starting to recognise, actually, this isn't who I am. <laughs> I'm a bit bendy. But this is who I am, and this is who God says I am. So I'm learning to listen to actually who does God say I am. And sometimes I have to go to other people quite a lot of the time to say, please tell me who I am, because sometimes I forget. A few weeks ago I went to see my friend Joe. I was just having a not very good day. I said, oh, Joe, I'm feeling a bit bleh. She said, Esther, don't forget who you are. This is who God has made you. Have you picked up your guitar recently to worship? I said, no, I haven't. Not, no, I haven't played it for a couple of months. And he said, pick up your guitar because I'm starting to learn guitar because I, when I hear you worship and you strum with authority and because you know who you are. And I was like, I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten that was one of the ways that God has made me as a worshipper and as a, as, as a warrior. So I went home and I, and, I, and I worshipped. But sometimes we need other people, we need the family of God to say, Esther, don't forget, this is who you are. This is how God has made you.
Um, so that picture, which has gone, um, there were two things that I felt God say. When you have a wall, the, the gates are the weakest areas, and in the Old Testament times where the enemy would attack, because you've got this big, thick wall, but at the gates, that was where it's weakest, so the, the enemy often came in that place. And I felt God say to me uh, for this talk was, those gates represent two things. Vulnerability. And praise. I didn't know how to be vulnerable. Uh, Now I'm learning as part of my freedom. That's what I need to do, usually on a daily basis. I need to learn to connect with my heart. Often I don't know how I'm feeling. (laughs) I'm an external processor. Um... Now, the enemy, when it comes to being vulnerable, the enemy longs, he lies to us and says things like, don't show anyone your weakness, because then they won't love you. Don't bring your stuff to God, because he's angry with you. The enemy will do anything to prevent us bringing all of ourselves to God. For years, I was so probably under the, you know, the stronghold probably of shame. I was ashamed of who I was, um, and I struggled to uh, trust people, and I was so fearful of being honest and real, and I just pushed it all down. So I didn't really know what was going on. Just one quick funny story. I was at... I work with the homeless now, and we're at a, like a, like a training session. And it was on trauma. And I thought, oh, great, we could learn how to um, you know, support people who've been through trauma. And, you know, we were laughing and joking at the beginning and you know, having cups of tea. And then the couple came to, to, to speak and they introduced themselves and they said, um, we just want you to know this is a really safe place. As soon as they said the word safe, I absolutely lost it. You know when you're crying, I, it was uncontrollable. I could not... Are you laughing? I could not contain, <laughs> I could not contain it. I rushed out the room I think, and my friend Sophie, who comes to Hope, said... What's going on? I said, I have no idea. The word safety triggered something so, so deep down that my body reacted and I didn't know what was going on. Um, And I realised that I hadn't really felt safe. And the whole thing of safety for me was so important. But the Holy Spirit was stirring. The, The Holy Spirit was starting to bring up areas of my life I didn't even know was there. There was pain so deep, I didn't even know that it was there. But the Holy Spirit um, just 
worked in me and started to, to bring stuff out. But I was scared. I thought, I, I can't. Um, if I let the lid off this, <laughs> I am going to explode. And I don't want, I want to keep it all in. I, I don't want to expose myself. Um, and the enemy kind of, I believe those lies and kept it in for a long, long time until I'm in places where <laughs> God's presence is so strong, it just kind of, it comes out, uh, which I'm very, I'm very grateful for. But re- the enemy doesn't want us to be in that place of vun- vulnerability of ourselves and vulnerability of God and vulnerability of other people because that is where our strength is. Um, so the truth is, and Jesus says in 2 Corinthians 12, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults and in hardships and persecutions and in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And did you know that Jesus is attracted to weakness? I think that's the most beautiful thing. When I come to Jesus and I I acknowledge where I'm at in my heart and I'm vulnerable with him, I said, Jesus, this really hurts. He rushes in. He is attracted to weakness. When Jesus was on earth, we read in the Gospels, Jesus always went to those on the margins, the orphans, the widows, the fatherless, the leper, uh, those who were sick, those who were marginalised, actually those who knew they needed a saviour. Jesus didn't come for those who think they're well, but for the sick. I love that, such a beautiful I just love that image. Jesus is attracted to our weakness, but the enemy comes and says, no, keep it all in. When you, when you come to church, when you whatever meet other people, keep it in, <laughs> keep it safe. And Jesus goes, no, I'm going to rush in. Jesus is near. The kingdom of God is near. When we, Jesus says, he's looking at people to worship in spirit and in truth. When I'm truthful with myself, I connect with Jesus and he comes rushing in and his presence for me is often I cry for other people it's different Jesus meets us in a way that we know he's there <laughs> and we talk about the presence of God like when I was in my room on Wednesday and I was just weeping I knew Jesus was there it's hard to explain but it, it, he knows how to meet me he knows how to meet you in that in that place These gates are also a place of praise. In Isaiah 60, verse 18, it says, Your walls, you will call your walls salvation and your gates praise. On Wednesday, when I was crying because I knew the truth that God knew me and He still loved me, I started to praise Him. I started to say, Thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you delight in me. Thank you that you meet me, even when I don't want to meet you, or I think I don't want to meet you. 
that you meet me in that place. And I started to worship, not because I should, but because I met with the living God. And sometimes it's like that, we, we bring to God our stuff, and he meets us, and we just start to praise him. And other times, it's called a sacrifice of praise. We don't feel like praising. But sometimes I pick up my guitar and I sing that chorus of the goodness of God. Your goodness is running after me. God, I choose to believe your goodness is running after me. I don't feel it, but I choose to praise you. In that place of vulnerability, those gates um, where there can be access points to the enemy coming in, we choose to declare that God is sovereign and we choose to gatekeep those areas of our lives which are vulnerable. I, I know my weaknesses quite well um, and I'm quite open with them. Some, there's some people in my life who I, who I trust. Um, I'm just aware of the time. I'm... How much longer have I got? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, let's give an example. I, I was actually quite nervous about coming to speak into a phone. It's not natural. Um, and, and I walked into the building and I saw Chris and Andrew and people, um, Kate and Dan and Sam and immediately that anxiety lifted I thought, what is that? And I think coming into a place where you know you're loved and in the presence of God is, those lies can't stay. And that's something that I've, that I've learnt. I've got so many stories where I've kept stuff in, I've kept stuff in. The moment I speak it out or the moment I am able to receive love from another person, it lifts and, and that is, that's about a power encounter of those two realms of when the enemy, we are, what's the word, where we are, con- we, we, we're convinced of, of certain things. Like I'm convinced that anxiety was going to grip me, that I couldn't speak this morning. I had nothing to share with, with, with you. And those were consuming, those thoughts were consuming my mind. And I walk in, those things lifted in the presence of God, in the presence of a loving God and the love of other people, those lies can't stay. So I just want to encourage you today, if you are struggling and you think there's no hope, I used to think, I actually don't want to live beyond 30. I saw no future for myself. I now actually love life. <laughs> it's a miracle, like it is a miracle. It's, that, it's God's work in me. I don't really know how he's done it, but he's done it. And to be honest, it's all about love. <laughs> Allowing the love of God to come deeply into those areas where you might not have known any love. Allowing the kind of liquid love of God, allowing the arms of the Father to embrace you, is a powerful, powerful, most life-changing thing. When you know you're loved by God, and other people absolutely changes your perspective on life. Um, so I just want to encourage you that there is always hope. 
And if you don't know how to connect with your heart, you don't know what you're feeling, you don't even know what's going on, that's okay. God knows. And I think I just want to, a friend of mine sent me a verse this week from Song of Songs 1 verse 8, which is basically a story, it's a chapter in the Old Testament where basically it's a love story between us and Jesus. It says, listen, my radiant one, if you ever lose sight of me, come with your burdens and care. I'll read that again. Listen, my radiant one, if you ever lose sight of me, come with your burdens and care. Which is basically Jesus saying, if you ever lose me, if you think you can't connect with me, come with your burdens and cares. Bring them to me. And um, I think just that's the most beautiful thing, and that's where we start. And prayer is simply saying, Hello, Jesus. Here I am. I don't know what to say, but I bring you my burdens and my cares, my fears, my doubts, my dreams, my anxieties. I bring them all to you. And in that place, and I just, I love the gospel. It's so simple. Jesus loves us. The enemy wants to say, he doesn't really. He doesn't really care. He's not able to heal that. He's not able to redeem that. He's not able to restore that. And we can go, no. I know who I am. I'm seated with Christ in the heavenly realms. My God is my restorer. He is my redeemer. He's my closest friend. He's my father. He knows me. And so we can. That place with God is a safe space. So I just want to encourage you today just to start to talk to Jesus wherever you're at, whether you don't even know who Jesus is. <laughs> to say, Jesus, here, here I am. I want to know you. I want to know your love. And uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks so much, Esther. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. Um, you know, it's it's incredible listening, uh, hearing. I've I've known Esther, Esther well for a couple of years, and, and and sort of known a bit about her about five or six. And I would have no idea that that she, you know, used to be have such a, a view of life that she didn't want to live beyond thirty. And I think it's a testimony to, to you, Esther, that you know we really recognise that she is now walking in her original design where once it seemed like the opposite of who she was. Now, we see it in, in her daily daily life, what she does, how she communicates, the way she loves and the way she allows herself to be loved. And so the, at the heart of this is a possibility that, that no matter how, how um, challenging things are, that, that there is a God of hope who can turn things 180. So um, it would also be great if, 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 you, if you've got Esther's number, just text her and tell her, brilliant that was because that was absolutely brilliant you know she is a fantastic teacher so I thought it would be nice for us to pray why don't you pray with me I'll take us through it uh, and then I'll just remind you of a couple of notices and then we'll close so let's pray together and as Esther told us then let's just say hello Jesus here I am hello Jesus here we are we, we maybe don't know what to say but we, we bring our burdens, we bring our, everything that we are feeling, thinking, caring about, we bring them to you and we show them to you. 
and we say, would you, would you, would you come and, and speak? Would you come and work? Would you bring hope where there, where there isn't any? Would you bring encouragement where there's discouragement? Would you bring truth where there have been lies? Father, thank you that you are above lies. That when we, when, we, when we turn to you, that you displace them. You get rid of them. So we turn to you again. And if you've, if you've never prayed before, if, if, you, if you aren't a Christian, then you can still do this. You can still pray. The, the way has been opened for you to talk to God, even if you've never done it before. And I really encourage you just to echo those words that Esther used. Hello Jesus, here I am. I don't know what to say. It's a brilliant prayer. Start there. So um, we've got a Zoom uh, after this, is a Zoom communion in about 10-15 minutes. Uh, we'll, we'll post the, the, the login details we've posted in the comments. They've been on the screen as well and they'll, they'll be on the Facebook page. We'd love to have you join us for that. Uh, it's been another amazing Sunday. I'm personally so blessed by, by the people of hope. You know, just amazing worship, amazing teaching. It is a place where um, everyone's story is so important. So I do encourage you to share your stories with those you live with, with those around you. Just keep sharing where you are, who you are, how you are. It's been great to be with you. Uh, We miss you hugely. Uh, Lots of love and um, see you soon.